You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I want to welcome uh, my buddy Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast in here tonight. We also got Tim live in Green Bay. Fellas, we had a night to uh, kind of digest this uh, this big Packers win. Um, I, I still can't get over the fact that in the last you know two, three years that I've been following the middle eight and turnover differential for live betting, right, that two weeks in a row, the team that that won the middle eight and the turnover differential both lost. It just blows my mind. I'm, I've been charting it, 93% success rate, right, and we get back-to-back Packers games. I understand getting back-to-back, you know, weeks where at one NFL game per week that happened, it kind of, you know, okay, I get it. It just blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. But Jacob, you had a night to kind of sleep on it. Um, how how you feeling about this win, man? Did you uh, did you come down from cloud nine and say, okay, well maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was, or are you still like, nah, heck, no, nah, dude, this was the best win ever. No, I mean, I uh, obviously the excitement of it and everything like that has kind of passed. The adrenaline, the adrenaline has kind of gone down. But I I did go back and rewatch it, and I was actually more surprised. I thought I'd watch the first three quarters and think this was just absolute straight trash it was just a lot of really blown opportunities a lot of good defensive plays um a lot of a lot of overthrows in certain spots but it wasn't all bad we did have a lot of highlights still we you know we had guys that were getting open um you know guys like Jaden reed maybe dropping would be highlight reel style touchdowns so when i actually looked it over again i was more encouraged than i thought i'd be and obviously when you watch the fourth quarter i mean that's the stuff i mean it's 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 very exciting to see how poised they were and then we can get into it just seeing we talked about the the uh the locker room speech just the way that they all seem to be so excited for each other Rashawn Gary seems to be getting emotional it almost looked like love almost got choked up for a second there um, yeah. LaFleur talked about how he was trying not to get choked up like I just it really is we, we talk about how young they are and all that kind of stuff but they're they're playing for each other and they're doing it in like a really unique way that we're not used to and if you noticed, I, I watched a lot of press conference today, uh, trying to just see if there was any little nuggets and stuff. And they were there were a few very subtle backhanded. I don't know if they were intentional or if they just came out that way. But Love specifically talked about how he's really careful for his body uh, mannerisms and how like his facial expressions are. So no matter what happens, especially I think they asked him about that fourth down where he missed the throw or whoever was in fault there at the uh, with Patrick Taylor. He like went on to reiterate that he's really careful about not showing any emotion on his face 
And I was just thinking in my head, like, oh, I wonder why. Because, <laughs> you know, just looking at how we talked about how Rogers saw Favre and how much of a crazy gunslinger he was. And even though sometimes that was great, there were so many games that he saw just that he threw away in that last, you know, drive, last quarter, whatever it was. So I think Rogers picked up that trait. I think that Jordan Love has kind of signaled that his he's picked up all the traits, obviously the mechanics of Rogers, the weird, almost identical mannerisms. But what he's maybe learned that he needs to do better, what, what he needs to improve from what Rogers' game was, is the off-the-field stuff and the, the physical traits like we talked about. So I think it's kind of cool to see that maybe we could get a version of Favre slash Rogers with a little more New Age love, you know, spice on it. So I'm I'm just excited. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we got a full house in here. We got Zane Strong in the house. He says Gary should be the highest paid edge rusher. He's a monster, always makes plays. What's crazy is I don't think Gary's interested in being the highest paid. I think he would be cool with being top five, you know, but his pressure percentage right now is through the freaking roof. I mean, that dude is amazing. I've got a chalk talk keyed up. And, um, man, I, I'll tell you, I, I got all three sacks on there, and he is just dominant, absolute dominant. Now, the other thing, too, is coming in with fresh legs, Tim. You know, he he's coming in off the bench, kind of kind of in that pinch hitter role, right? And, um, and and coming out of the bullpen like that, dude, he looks like a monster, just an absolute monster uh, on the field. We also got Doug in the chat, says, hi, PTA Posse. Uh, let's get another dub on Thursday. Short turnaround, man. Let's hope everybody's healthy. And tonight we're going to hit on the PFF grades, both offense, defense, as well as special teams, and the team grades as well. Then we're going to hit on the injury news because there was kind of a mock injury report that was put out today. You know, they didn't practice to the best of my knowledge, so they created kind of if we did practice, here's the most likely scenario of the yep. injury report. Um, let's see here. Um, Nick the Realtor says, I'm pre-locking the pod. Uh, don't let me down. We were in the end zone corner for all the fourth quarter shenanigans. It was great. Love it. He said, I uh, wish we could send you guys a picture. My son had a great time. You could send that picture to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If I get it in time and I remember here, we're not too covered up. I'd be more than happy to uh, to share that on the screen there, Nick. But again, that's Packers Total Access at gmail.com. We got Eric Sutherland in the house, uh, president of the PTA Posse in here with us. We got uh, Milltown Corey. Says Romeo Dobbs out there looking like Robert Brooks, baby. And it's funny he says Robert Brooks because I'm telling you, man, if you guys will go back <clears throat> and actually watch the 92 Packers, all you got to do is go to YouTube and type in 1992 Green Bay Packers, and you'll see some full games pop up. I don't think they won a single game clean. It was just like yesterday, right? And you, you've got all of these, these players that are coming up together. I think Robert Brooks was either a rookie in 92 yeah. or – I'm trying to remember. I can't remember exactly when he was drafted. I know he was really young. If, if he wasn't on the roster in 92, it might have come a little bit later. But those players, man, they were so young coming up together, the same type of atmosphere that the Packers have today. But um, what do you think, uh, Tim? I'd, I'd be okay with uh, Romeo Dobbs out there looking like a Robert Brooks, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And at this point, we have to just call it like we see it. He's, he's wide receiver one, you know, like – no, no disrespect to Christian Watson. You know, I'm a huge fan of Scoot, um, but it's just as simple as he hasn't been ready to go. And thank God it looks like that's going to change this week. And we're going to we're going to get as close to full strength as the team as we've been all year, hopefully for this divisional game. But Romeo Dobbs, man, I I'm running out of creative ways to praise this guy because 
he every time I I think I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that that shows you right there. He's the truth. It's like he does something else that just it it blows my mind, you know. And to think that he's a second year player, you know, we talk about Jaden Reed not looking like a rookie. Well, Romeo doesn't look like he's in year two. Romeo looks like a veteran receiver for all intents and purposes. And uh, just a, another uh, thing to add to the long list of things to be excited about with this Packers team. Yep, definitely. Completely agree. Eric Sutherland, I love this team. Watching these young men grow is going to be fun. Um, and the number one Packer fan said, as I said on Saturday, who dat, who day, who cares? Go Pack, go. Yeah. <laughs> we got Cheesehead Murph in the house, vice president of the PTA Posse. He's Murph. in here with us. Um, which, by the way, PTA Posse is absolutely blown up. It's, it's so cool, man. Getting messages from people on YouTube. Hey, just signed up. We appreciate the support so much. It's It's what allows us to, you know, get better equipment, keep this thing rolling in the right direction, which we've, it's been a wild 24 hours, man. We've gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of notoriety, I guess is the right word. A little bit of attention, I should say. Um, You know, we had our tweet shared in PFF's game recap. They chose two tweets to share, Um, you know, one offensively, one defensively. The offensive one was from the Packers themselves. And the defensive one, they, they grabbed our tweet from Twitter um, with Rashawn Gary's three sacks. Uh, which was kind of cool. And then about halfway through the day today, my notifications blew up on Twitter. I'm like, what is going on? And Kay Adams from Up and Adams um, actually quote tweeted us as well. So we're starting to get out there a little bit, gang. And it's, it's kind of cool, man, because, it, you know, it's funny. It's just like Peter Schrager said. And if you got kids in a room, earmuff them real quick because I am <laughs> going to say a dirty word, all right? Oh. But Peter Schrager said, you know, when he was asked by Sean McVay, how does someone – succeed in your business you know uh you know in the quote-unquote media or just covering sports he said work hard and don't be an asshole that's what he said and that's what we're trying to do now listen twitter's tough twitter's hard to to follow that second rule i'm just being honest with you <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's pretty cool man it's uh i like the direction we're going and and really that direction it has everything to do with the Packernet podcast listeners and obviously the pta posse here on youtube you guys are kind of the uh, the engine behind this whole thing. We appreciate you, man, for sure. Uh, Nick, the realtor, you know it's potentially possible that Jordan has characteristics from Brett. You know, I was thinking about that, Jacob, myself. Um, you kind of look at how Brett played, and you look at how Aaron played. Now, Jordan has protected the ball really, really well, and that should have been a penalty on that interception. I went back and watched it. should have been illegal contact. And not, not just a little, oh, he touched. No, they literally knocked him off his route 15 yards into the route. But without that interception, we'd be sitting here going, okay, seven touchdowns, no picks, right? Fourth quarter comeback win, down by 17. That feels like Brett, right? But at the same time, he's protecting the football like Aaron. Um, Now, don't get me wrong. The completion percentage is a problem, okay? That's something we've got to get that cleaned up. And not for the statistics sake, but just the fact that, you know, that number is so low. That's alarmingly low. Um, Now, with that being said, too, Jacob, I think I heard, right, our receivers have the 10th most drops in the league as far as across the league. That's yeah. an upgrade from last year. Last year we were number one in drops. So pretty cool to see them grow, right, Jacob? I mean, yeah, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, there's another way you could look at it too. Um, just the the ab, the absolute age of all the receivers, everybody in almost the skill position that's been thrown in there, even guys like Emmanuel Wilson, we never thought that he'd be taking first round or, you know, first – uh, first string snaps and that kind of stuff. And Musgrave, obviously, he struggled with a little bit of drops. We've seen that with uh, Jaden Reed, 
when you look back, I forgot some of the crazy catches though that he did make. Um, that one diving one, I mean, I, I that was unreal, man. That everything that he dropped before that, I honestly forgive him for just for that one catch because it was outstretched hands. I mean, just like textbook secured it, even if they were to review it, I thought that was going to stand. So I'm excited about that. Even guys like Tay Wicks, but I just think we have to, like we talked about in the beginning of this year, <clears throat> nobody, I, I really don't think anybody realistically thought we'd be like two and one talking about how we could have been three and oh, and that if our biggest issue is that we got drops, I mean, we kind of thought that, that was probably going to be it. We thought it was going to be inaccuracy issues with love and drops. We yeah, thought yeah. That, I, I personally thought there's going to be more, um, of him being under pressure, running for his life. And <laughs> in, in some aspects, he has been running. But, dude, that's the one thing, too, that I gathered when I watched the first half and then especially in that fourth quarter. He's still very poised, and he only runs when he has to. And the way he runs is so technically <laughs> smart. And that one play where he threw, a, uh, it was ended up being an incomplete. It was like a deep out to, I want to say it was to Samari Torre, and it was on like a third and six or I think or something like that. But the way that he shuffled and did like a drop textbook step, <laughs> three of them, and then perfectly reset through an absolute perfect dime to Torre, who just happened to have a guy swipe it right out of his hands, slash he kind of dropped it. And again, a lot of these drops, in my opinion, were just really good defensive balls that were played like at the last split second. But I, I mean, I was, I'm still, like I said, impressed going back and watching it. There's a lot of things to clean up for sure. But what's even more impressive, in my opinion, is the way that these dudes, when they did their interviews, they're so humble. They're so gracious. They're so careful not to throw anybody under the bus. That's always we, us. And then when they're praising them, it's like, oh, it's, you know, team effort, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really cool, though. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a different feel for sure. Uh, Josh Martin, thank you so much for the super chat. He said, it's nice to have a quarterback who could scramble again when a play breaks down to keep the drive alive. I'm telling you, it's been missing for about three years now at least. And, um, man, Josh, <laughs> that there was a couple times there yesterday where love it wasn't just that love was like okay let me get out of here and get a first down you could tell it was let's manipulate the pocket a little bit right it's like he noticed read one isn't there read two isn't there all right glance around let me create enough separation all right now let's go to the second windows of each route it was amazing and you know the beautiful thing about that is when they start to play man coverage against Jordan Love which they did yesterday and that's why you started seeing the shots they kept playing single high man and he's like all right i'm going to throw it to Dobbs until one of these gets freaking caught. He just kept throwing it. To, and the 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 uh, uh, pass interference as well, right? The multiple pass interference. That's, you know, man coverage. Their back was turned to the ball. Chuck it up there and uh, and let them make the mistake. So when we see more man coverage, you're going to have even more opportunities for him to scramble. But I completely agree, Josh. That's something that's been missing from the Green Bay Packers for a few years. I'm not saying that that overrides, you know, MVP caliber ability to you know read the defense and and pinpoint accuracy and all that but it's definitely something that's important but thank you so much for the uh the super super chat there josh we really really appreciate it man um let's see here we got us another one then we'll get right into the pff grades um i think it was right here yeah milltown Corey said i hope gary doesn't do an a rod and take all the money out there players need to understand the team needs money to get their great to get other great players yeah, you're you're kind of seeing that across the league. Have you noticed what Kansas City's doing, Tim? Um, I'll, I'll ask you about this, or at least get your take on it. You know, Patrick Mahomes took a team friendly deal, ten years, where they could move that money around like crazy. Uh, you know, uh, you had Travis Kelsey took a team friendly deal. They win a couple Super Bowls, right? 
And uh, then, of course, their defensive lineman, is it Chris Jones? Am I thinking right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He decides, no, I want to break the bank. He holds out. He didn't break the bank. But now you've seen Mahomes actually redone his contract and did it a little less team-friendly. And he said he feels he feels obligated to the other players coming up behind him, just like what Aaron said, to kind of reset that market. So you're seeing that kind of diminish a little bit, right? Now, Aaron obviously taking way less money in, for the Jets. Of course, it doesn't matter when you're in the tub. But it's uh, – it's one of those things I want to see Gary get paid, but you've also got to take into consideration too, Corey, the money can be maneuvered. Like it, it's, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, we can afford for him to be the highest paid edge rusher fully guaranteed. Right. I'm not saying that at all, but the way this cap can be manipulated right now until the cash over cap loopholes are closed, I wouldn't worry too much about that. There's not going to be a year where Goody's going, God, I wish I had more money. They've got the roster they want. They're building the roster they want. And uh, I don't know how you feel about that, Tim, but I, I never look up and go, like, who who's the player they wish they had right now that's available, right? Who comes to mind? I can't think of anybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the one that I feel like got away was Tariq Hill, right? Anytime you've got the ability to get the best wide receiver in the entire league, you probably want to bend a little bit and make that happen. But hindsight's 2020, especially with his uh, personal issues off the field and all that good stuff. But uh, what do you think, uh, Tim, before we get to the PFF grades there? Um, you know, uh, Gary, I don't think he's going to try to break the bank, do you? No, I don't. And I think, you know, we always talk about this. At this level, it's a business. We all understand that. Um, and I think with many players, they do. They they want to be They want to be paid and they want to be paid handsomely. Um, you think about the grind and the work that it takes to to play at this level consistently. And then if you're in the upper echelon um, in your position group, you know, yeah. I mean, Rashawn Gary deserves to get paid like a lot of the best edge rushers in the NFL get paid. That's true. Now, on the flip side, there are players out there, and I believe Rashawn is one of those, that hold championships and winning and success in a pretty high regard. And as long as you don't disrespect a guy like that with a subpar offer, I think a guy like that takes a, a team friendly deal. And, and to your point about Mahomes, knowing that if need be, I can restructure. And yeah. if, if I want to play hardball down the road, I can, but you know, Rashawn is in this position right now where, you know, he, he's very aware of what's going on around him. And he knows that he is in the coming off an injury in the prime of his career with a young team uh, out here that uh, has a lot of talent and there's a lot uh, to build on. Uh, despite the success we've had early there, there, we always talk about it. There's a lot to work on still, and there's a really high ceiling. So I don't think Rashawn of all players is going to let money screw with what we have going on here in green Bay. That's just my personal take on the matter. I think uh, he deserves to be paid. I think uh, the extension should come tomorrow. Um, I think we can go ahead and extend Jordan love as well. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen enough. I, I believe that he should get the bag. Uh, and to your point, Clayton, let's do it earlier uh, rather than later. Um, but I, I, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that I think fall into that category where they carry the G as we say. And uh, I, I think winning and success on the field is paramount. And if taking a team friendly deal 
which means a few million less now or maybe a few more million up front as opposed to down the road. I think these guys are going to do it, man. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Uh, thank you so much for the super chat. Mace Taggart said, hey, fellas, love equals dynasty in Lambo. Book it. Um, absolutely love it. Completely agree. Now, uh, you guys notice he's got a YouTube channel there, uh, the Mace Taggart Experience. Let's all be a blessing. Uh, when this is over, you can do it right now. Hop over there, subscribe to his channel, and let's support people that support us for sure. I just subbed, uh, subbed your channel just now, Mace. Appreciate you uh, supporting us, man. Um, or it, it could be a female. I don't know. I apologize. If it is. <laughs> I get so nervous on this stuff, man, with the names. And I'm probably screwing the name. It might even be Macy. I don't know. Um, but all right, let's do this. Let's go to the uh, the grades real quick. All right. Let's go to the team grades. First of all, um, you can see through the first three weeks against the Chicago Bears, the overall team grade for the Packers was a 75.7. Against the Falcons, it was a 65.9. Against the Saints, it was a 67.9. Let's go through the position groups here, okay, or the different sides of the ball. Uh, New Orleans Saints game yesterday. Overall, like I said, 67.9. Offensively, 63.1. Passing, 61.8. Pass blocking, 73.0. Receiving, 64.3. Uh, running grade, 66.4. Run blocking, whoo, 47.4. Defensive grade, 74.2. Run defense, 69.7. Um, nice little bounce back game there for the run defense. Tackling, 75.1. That's probably the reason the run defense had improved so much. Pass rush grade, 59.3. Think of the sacks we got. Kenny got a sack. Rashawn Gary got three sacks, and our pass rush grade was only a 59.3. Coverage grade. 77.2 and then special teams grade dipped really really low to 43.3 um anything stand out to you there jacob before we move on to the individual grade um i mean just uh, that our pass blocking grades still seem to hold steady even without obviously our two i would say best players there and uh then the coverage grade showing that we had a really good improvement we can talk about the individual players which i'm guessing as to why that's a little higher than it has been so Got it. All right. Offensively, and I apologize, I'm chewing in the mic here, but I just put a now and later in, man. You, got, <laughs> you like now and laters, Tim? You like now and laters, man? I do, but my dentist hates me for it. Hey, tell that dentist to mind his business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, about my business, my bidness. All right. Offensive grades. Number one, Keyshawn Nixon. <laughs> there we go. He had one snap, 78.8. So let's just go ahead and wipe that away, all right? <laughs> Romeo Dobbs, Mr. Robert Brooks 2.0, um, 68 total snaps. His offensive grade was a 73.8. Rashid Walker, 73.2. Zach Tom, 68.7. Uh, Dontavian Wick, 65.3. Jordan Love, 63.9. A.J. Dillon, 62.3. Patrick Taylor, 61.2. Ben Sims, a 60.1, but only three snaps. Let's hop down to Josh Myers, um, 58.3. Luke Musgrave, 57.9. Jaden Reed, 57.9. Samori Torre, 53.9. And uh, let's just – just a couple bad honorable or de-honorable mentions, I guess you could say. Royce Newman, 50.1. And John Runyon, a 48.3. Jacob, what sticks out to you about these offensive grades, man? Uh I mean, the first thing, did you say, pull that up? Is I crazy? Does A.J. Dillon have a 5.2 pass yeah, well, bar? You're going to try to take that away from him, bro? 
I'm just saying, how do you get a 5.2? He lined up in the right spot, so they gave him a 5.2. <laughs> All right. Um, that's what's it's up. Wild, isn't it? <laughs> I, uh, I guess I'm looking, though, at John Runyon. That just seems like a weird – he's still got a 71 uh, pass blocking grade, but that run blocking grade is – I hate seeing John Runyon Jr. down there. Royce Newman doesn't surprise yeah. me as much. I'd really like to have seen I, – I, I have not seen Malik Heath step up like I thought he was going to. Samari Tori, as I talked about earlier, had that drop. And then Reed, right above him, had a couple big drops. Same with Musgrave. So those those grades all right there don't surprise me. Um, there is that Yash Nijman. I saw that he was in there for two snaps. Had a 60 grade. That's better than the other guys we talked about. I don't know if, what you guys' thoughts are. We said we might bring it up. I kind of thought, why not bring it up? What are your thoughts about if we don't have Bakhtiari going into Thursday, but if Tom can play or reshuffling that line? Do you see bringing in Yash Nijman for any reason? And why is maybe Royce still on that line? Do you like? Is there any way you see us reshuffling to get him off and getting a different five? It, it all comes down to who's going to be available, right? So let's assume that Bach is available. All right. If Bach's available, I'm going left tackle David Bakhtiari, left guard Rashid Walker, center Josh Myers, uh, right guard John Runyon, right tackle Zach Tom if he's healthy, right? Now, let's say that Bach is a scratch. If Bach is a scratch, I'm going Rashid Walker, Royce Newman, Josh Myers, John Runyon, and then at right tackle, Zach Tom. Let's say Zach Tom isn't healthy, okay? Let's say he can't go and Bach can't go. Whew, I don't want to think about it, but let's just let's pretend here. It's going to be Rashid Walker at left tackle, Royce Newman at left guard, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon at right guard, and then at right tackle, it's got to be Yash. Yash should be the one that's got the most experience there, right? So um, with that being said, though, it's 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 pretty evident, Tim, that Yash is taking a step back. I mean, the fact that the, the coaches really limited his playing time and Rasheed Walker's kind of propelled to the front there, the front of the line as far as the, uh, the number two left tackle. Um, but, again, only two snaps. It's hard to judge it there at 60.0 grade. But um, how do you see the offensive line? That's a great question, Jake. Tim, what do you think? I'm, I'm kind of with you on this, Clayton. I think it, and it really stems from uh, Zach Tom. If he's healthy, needs to play right tackle, and that's I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable moving him unless our backs are absolutely up against the wall, and we have to. Um, but I do, I do think that it is, it is true. Um, you know, Yash probably hasn't has been a little underwhelming this year, uh, but then again, so is JRJ and and Royce and and and. Uh, Josh Myers as well. So it, when it comes to the line, I think anything that w- we see with consistency, we should stick to. So we see consistently good play from Rashid Walker at left tackle when box not in. He needs to be on the field at left tackle. Same thing with Zach Tom. Zach Tom is lights out at right tackle. I don't. I don't want to. If I'm going to jumble anything around, it's going to be my center and my guards. I'm. I'm. I'm going to keep my tackles where they're at uh, just based on what we've seen right now. That's just kind of my take on it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, The only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. 
So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Got it. Got it. Go ahead, Jake. Just some quick individual stats, real, because yeah. uh, I thought it was kind of indicative as to what we're all feeling. So Myers, right now, as of before this game started or whatever, these games, uh, he was the 30th ranked uh, center overall. Tom was ranked 14th as in um, the overall tackles, but Walker, which I was surprised, was ranked 24th. And then that all is without, or that is with a snap count. So if you take away any snap count uh, minimum or anything like that, Bakhtiari is number one in pass blocking. And I think that if you, again, look at that overall top, uh, it's in the top 21, the Packers have four different players if you take away the snap count modifier on there. So, I mean, it's encouraging to say the least, but it's, it is a little bit scary that we have guys like running seeming to really fall even farther and farther into that run game. Just our run game. I don't know what to think about it. Like I see in some of these grades, I mean, I don't know how you blame the running backs. I mean, it's, it's, it's pathetic. You know, I, I know exactly how I see it. I could see it on tape and then I go into the sit down there with, uh, with Mike wall and former offensive lineman in the NFL I'm going in like a blank slate, right? I've got a blank sheet of paper. I'm ready to take notes. And he basically confirmed everything I was seeing. Like they're asking them to do too much. This is they have they they have no identity in the running game. They don't know what they want to do. They're trying to throw a multitude of different concepts slash uh, run blocking schemes. And they're just asking these offensive linemen to do things they can't. Um over and over and over. We've seen that that pistol, that pistol toss play yesterday. Now, what's crazy is Mike pointed this out, too, when I was talking to him. I can't remember if it was offline or online, but he was like – he said, what I'm noticing, Clayton, is they're running plays just to set up a pass off of it, right? And if that's the case, just run the pass. Just just pass – run that passing play because you're literally putting yourself in a negative situation is essentially what he was saying. And that toss play, I've seen it twice, and both times I'm like, why are we doing this? And then it was like – the, the very next play, they were setting up a pass off of it, and I believe it was even an incomplete pass, but it was just like you wasted two plays to set up that play, and then it, it even failed. It's like that's a whole wasted drive. And there's yeah. so many times, too, that you look up, and this is what Garrett Stritzel's saying here. He says, for the Lions, the game versus the Lions, I hope they, quote, keep it simple, stupid when it comes to the O-line plays. Let's let's get good. Like like Mike said, let's get let's just get good at running between the tackles. Let's get good 
at duo, right? Double, double. Let's just get good at that. Then inside zone. If you want to stretch it out and every now and then, okay, that's fine. But these cute little toss plays and speed options and pitches and everything. And, and my God, Emmanuel Wilson throw back to the, come on, please, for goodness sakes. So I don't think AJ Dillon has done anything to help his stock. But when I watch the tape, I do also see situations where and it drives me crazy. People online, and, and I'm as guilty as anyone, right? You go back and watch the tape and go, there's a hole right here. That's not where the hole was designed, right? Yeah. Well, it's the running back's job to find the hole. No, like the, if it's supposed to be a B gap, right? A B gap run or, you know, that, that mid zone read to the right, he's not going to look a gap left. It shouldn't be an option, right? And the fact that it's open was probably because the defense played to the 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 uh, the zone side that they were trying to run too. So there's just a lot of different factors that come in. I don't find myself going AJ Dillon's horrible now. I find myself I don't even find myself going this offensive line is horrible at run blocking. The grades are bad because they're being asked to do things that's darn near physically impossible to do. So. Yeah. When PFF grades it, they've got to grade the tape. That's when they're grading the tape. They're grading the tape with the understanding of, okay, I think this is what the play call was. How well did they execute it? Well, they executed it poorly. They can't take into consideration on their grade. Is it possible to do that? Now you're getting into being a little more opinionated. You know what I'm saying, Tim? It's like you're removing the 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 framework of the grading system itself when you start interjecting your opinion on whether the play should have been called or not. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when Mike Wall talks about simplifying things, I, I I truly believe this is so apparent when it comes to our offensive line, but I think it comes down to the offense in general. I mean, not even just our linemen, just, just what, you know, what we're expecting of guys that have played, you know, a lot of them three, two or three games of NFL football here at, at, at the real deal level. And, you know, there's also the school of thought that, you know, the only way to learn is by doing. And, you know, you talk about some of these plays where, you know, you see LaFleur call it in and it's like, <laughs> he he doesn't really think it's going to work. <laughs> you can kind of see the body language on the field. The line doesn't look thrilled. Our, our backs don't look thrilled. And lo and behold, these tosses, they don't, they don't work. But I think in LaFleur's mind, it's, oh, well, that's because I'm setting up, I'm setting up a pass here. Uh, in the future but well okay that seems a little bit of a bit conventional of wisdom for a Matt LaFleur Matt LaFleur is new school Matt LaFleur is you know uh, of the tree that we know he's from pushing the envelope so I wonder if we go if we revert and we pass to set up the run at some point where we 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 do short passes we do uh quick hitters get the ball out fast and in a hurry a lot of short gains, chunk gains, medium gains. And then the minute that secondary starts backpedaling, we run the ball. Now, now we run our outside zone. Now we run in between the tackles um, and find success that way. But I think to your point, it's so true. You, you've got to get these young players, all of them, doing things consistently uh, at a very basic level before you can really – really step like let's let's um run a successful toss play to emmanuel wilson before we toss him the ball and then ask him to pass it across the field to our quarterback and then oh by the way make a block and you know whatever else we need to do i think it's just you know the illusion of complexity 
is is what we're after but what we're getting is complexity and you know these guys are pros they should be able to handle it i understand where our staff is coming from you know right Right. you guys are in the nfl this isn't child's play we're asking you to do these things you should be able to do it if you're if you're not successful here's the tape here's practice let's correct it let's improve every week okay well you got to give your guys a chance to do that you know um and i and i think you build confidence by you know, mastering those, those basics. Yeah. If we can find success, you know, in between the tackles, we should build on that before we start getting too fancy. You know? Yeah. And, and Mike wall, you, you hit the nail on the head. Mike wall say, now don't get me wrong, Clayton, a good offensive line should be able to do everything. Okay. Like he, he pointed that out, but you know, like he pointed out, Josh Myers is an average center. Like that's, that's what we've seen so far an average center. Um, he really likes Runyon. Absolutely love Zach Tom. Really, really impressed with Rasheed Walker's footwork. Um, and, and he knows exactly how good David Bakhtiari is. And his his opinion on David Bakhtiari's injury is real simple. Do whatever you got to do to get whatever you can out of him. He's that valuable. He's that good of a left tackle. If it means five games, if it means three games this season, whatever it is, it, you're still going to be paying him whether he's hurt or not, you know what I'm saying? So why not cater to, okay, if it blimps up, if the knee swells up, let's let him sit. All right, let's get a game out of him here. Let's get a game out of him there. And uh, and worry about next year, next year, because I think it's pretty safe to say there's a, a good possibility he won't be on this team, which which sucks because I think David Bakhtiari might be a borderline Hall of Famer. I really believe that. Um, uh, number one Packer fan says, if run blocking was Brown's level good and, and you out A.J. behind that, line do you see a different guy i think you probably do man i think you probably do i mean the blocking does matter there's no doubt about that all right let's move on to the defensive grades here that's a great conversation appreciate everybody in the chat there um number one jake if you want to read number one to me there who is that right there rudy ford that's my guy that is my guy rudy ford 88.2 elite defensive grade he had a 72.7 run defense grade 84.8 84.8 tackle grade and an 81.4 uh, coverage grade. So he had the highest coverage grade. He had the highest tackle grade. He had uh, maybe the third highest run defense grade and obviously overall defensive grade at the top. Number two was Devondre Campbell at 79.3. Of course, he only had 11 snaps before he hurt his ankle. We'll talk about the injury report here in a second. Uh, Rashawn Gary, 77.8. Um, run defense grade for, for Rashawn was a 60.0. Tackle grade, 73.3. And pass rush, 73.9. Um, I agree with that grade. When I went back and watched the tape and seen the three sacks, um, they, don't get me wrong, he manhandled the guy. But it wasn't like, wow, the tackle did everything he could there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying he was laying down for Gary by no stretch of the imagination, but it, it wasn't like he was going up against a top-tier tackle either. We talked about how bad these uh, tackles were going into this game. Rasul Douglas, 75.7. I have been so freaking impressed by Rasul Douglas. That dude seems to be the backbone of this defense outside of Rashawn Gary. Of course, Rashawn Gary only having a limited 23 snaps. It just seems like Rasul is carrying the attitude. He, he takes it personal all that. This was a pleasant surprise. Number five on the list, Keyshawn Nixon, okay, 74.2 grade. Carl Brooks, rookie, 28 snaps, 71.1. TJ Slayton, Grave Digger digger 2.0, nose tackle, 26 snaps, 70.8 grade. Devontae Wyatt, 68.0. Lucas Van Ness, 66.9. Oh, Lucas Van Ness, you're starting to get a floor there, guys. It's I don't think he's graded outside of the 60s the whole season, right? 
and that's typically a good grade for a rookie. Uh, moving forward, Preston Smith, 66.4. Kingsley and Ibarre, 64.8. Let's slide down to the bottom there. Savage's grade kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Um, I thought he'd have a little bit better grade, but I think it's fair at a 63.2. Um, if we slide down, though, this is the one that hurts, though. Quay Walker, 43.6. I didn't key in on him much, but there, what, there definitely weren't a whole lot of highlights of Quay. It was very, very few times when I went back and watched the tape, I've made three passes through. Um, did I look up and go, man, Quay, Quay really flashed there. It seemed like he had an off day. But when the ball was around him, a 79.6 tackle grade, that's what you need an inside linebacker. Carrington Ballantyne was a 52.7. So those are two people that that kind of struggled there. Jacob, initial impressions of the defense, man. Outside of Rudy Ford, what sticks out to you, Bo? I mean, obviously, uh, I think to me it's the, the Douglas and Nixon combo because we talked about guys that would need to step up because of the fact that obviously we don't have Jair. And even though um, I was looking forward to really seeing some steps from Carrington Valentine, but he ended up getting injured, I believe it was. And he ended up with what? I think, yeah, like 18 snaps or no, 32 snaps. So he had a decent, decent amount to show out there. So I'm a little surprised at that score right there. The, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like he had a really bad run defensive grade. So I don't really, you know, I'm not going to hold him uh, to that very much. Colby Wooden, I've been surprised at his grades lately just because mm-hmm. I see him around the ball, it seems like a lot but he just doesn't seem to be grading out correctly or uh, positively. I will say I'm pleasantly surprised, like you said, about um, LVN and Preston Smith, so much so that I looked him up real quick. And so Gary is the eighth best pass rushing grade right now in football of 82 with an 82.9. He's the 20th overall edge. And Preston has the defensive overall PFF grade of a 72.7, which is 37th. And then LVN is 48th overall. So if you look at it in that aspect, you kind of have three starters-ish, you know, that are up-and-coming guys or guys that are um, our staples there. And then Razul Douglas, he's a top-10 quarter as of right now, like I said before these games started. A top-10 corner in the league right now with a PFF overall defensive grade of 78.9. So that right there, like you talked about, we talked about Razul Douglas and the way that he kind of has been a, a motivator and a leader and how he likes to get guys riled up by talking a lot of smack. And it's really, really cool to see that he's in, in especially in Jair's absence and in Stokes, as we forget about Stokes, and um, that he's just been kind of becoming that steady Eddie guy that seems to be a motivator. And I don't know if you watch him in interviews, but he's just he's hilarious. He's kind of aggressive and it's it's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. I love how anytime he gives up, I, I say I love it, but when he gets a penalty for it, I'm going to be mad. But I love how anytime he gives up a play, he makes it a point to grab the ball and rip it out of the guy's hands as he's getting off the ground. <laughs> it's like, it's hilarious. Tim, what do you think about the defensive grades, bud? I'll put them up here again for you. Uh, I think the thing that stands out to me is middle linebacker. Um, like you said, not not the best day from Quay. Um, however, a tackling machine, as we see by the tackle grades. Look at our look at our middle linebackers, Hollins, McDuffie, and Quay, all with really solid tackling grades. Uh, when it comes to these these numbers. Um, so, like you said, Clayton, that's what we need our, our linebackers to do, be tackling machines. So I'll take an off day in some of these other categories, uh, as long as you're not missing tackles. Uh, and I'm with you. I didn't see anything that jumped off off the tape to me with Quay, uh, other than um, he, did, he did get blocked really nasty out of one of those plays pretty early in the game. Um, it, it did look like he was uh, a little off. I guess would be the best way to surmise it. Um, But that kind of stood out to me is despite our, 
our linebackers not doing super hot, uh, the tackling grades looked good to me. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the big thing that stood out to me here, Keyshawn Nixon had a great bounce back game at an 80.5 coverage. I mean, and and what did we talk about going in this game, guys? Their their wide receivers were stout, right? Yeah. Um, so that was that was really impressive to me. What were you going to say, Jake? If you bring that back up, we forgot about the most important stat by far. I can't yeah. believe we didn't bring this up. <clears throat> if you scroll down to number 15, uh, you'll see Brenton Cox Jr. had his first start, first actual snap as a Green Bay Packer at Lambeau. So congratulations, Brenton Cox. He looks like he did nothing. So. <laughs> He got just a grade for standing there. But, hey, props, man. Hey, we made it, Mama. We made it. (laughs) Shout out to your your boy, Carl Brooks. Batted ball at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's your guy. You you called it. Um, His tackling grade is something to be desired. But other than that, it looked pretty good. I was going to say he tackled like my Aunt Linda. But other than that, we, we had a pretty good game. So uh, that's Bill's wife, by the way. That woman deserves a, a freaking Medal of Honor or something for putting up with Bill all these years. I promise you that. Let's go to – Just real quick, I think TJ Slayton has quietly had a really decent year so far. Just not anything flashy or special, but he's been – seems like he's been out there for 25, 30 plays, and he's been – we've had a lot more, like, run-stuffing, like, third and shorts, fourth and shorts that I can remember in a long time. Yep. To me, it just feels like that that was such a gimme. We've had a few where, like, at least we're putting our nose in there and, and getting in there. Yeah, definitely. Mike Hebring, thank you so much for the super chat. He said, it's time for Sean Ryan, dot, 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 maybe. I, <laughs> it, it can't get much worse, right? Like, why not see what – I mean, like Rasheed Walker, would we even know what Rasheed Walker, you know, the step he took forward if Bach had been healthy? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not give Sean Ryan a run there? Now, you get, you know – halfway through the first quarter and he's causing false starts and holding or whatever you can pull them. And you know what I mean? But competition's good. And and I've always looked at it this way, that if someone can't mentally handle an, an open competition in a position battle, they're probably not going to be able to perform when the game's on the line. You know what I mean? So if, if the thought is, well, we don't, we don't want to wreck Royce Newman's mindset that he might be third on the depth chart. I miss. Mean, I about said a bad word. <laughs> that okay forget that <laughs> like they, they, we're all big boys here right like you know if if i if i don't run my business as well if i don't do my job well guess what someone else gets that business that's the real world right and it should be about putting the best product out there uh week in and week out and i'm not suggesting they're doing that on purpose i'm just you know i i hate that when well he's the starting quarterback listen i love jordan love i think jordan love is, is i think he is played above my expectations, hands down. Touchdown interception ratio I thought was the most important thing. Obviously, he rallied the troops, led the team on that fourth quarter comeback. But if someone told me that Clifford was a better quarterback, hands down, I can prove to you Clifford's a better quarterback, I'd be like, start Clifford. I don't care where you're drafted. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Now, he doesn't have the arm of Jordan Love. Obviously, it's not even close. I'm just using that as an example that, you should put the best 11 out there, man. That's the way it should be. But, Mike, thank you so much for the super chat, buddy. I wouldn't mind seeing Sean Ryan. We got Jake Shavink in the house. He said, did it feel like Quay had as bad a game as PFF said? Felt like he was keeping things together early. Um, I, like I said, Jake, when I watched the tape, I haven't keyed in on Quay. I was keying on some other things. Um, I didn't. I, I definitely didn't find myself going, oh, look at Quay there. You know what I mean? 
Um, I don't think he was a difference maker. But, again, I would probably need to go back and really key in on him and look at the All-22 and kind of watch his assignment. There's got to be a reason that he graded out low. Um, I just don't think that it was the the reason. I don't, I don't think it caused us any any major problems, I should say. But what were you going to say, Jake? Uh, I can't remember whose video I was watching, but it was somebody, um, maybe Boz or one of those guys, or just maybe it would bled into a random thing. But they were talking about how a lot of times when fans see, especially on defense, when they see a grade that's a lot lower, even though they felt like the player had a decent game, they said that PFF really does tick. Um, you know, they, they give you, I think it's like a point five or a full point kind of tick off of however they score. So, like, if you have a missed tackle, those really add up. Like, even one or two of them can make a otherwise looking – and otherwise seemingly looking like really perfect game, they can take you down really quickly into like the seventies and sixties. And if you notice like, it may be worth looking. I don't know if you got the missed tackles, if you can see that there, but he said that there's a common denominator there, that if you have a, a couple of missed tackles, that it can really bring your overall grade down quite a lot. And depending on what you, they can determine like your assignment was, you know, if it was, you're supposed to follow this guy or that guy and you completely biffed on it or if you completely missed a tackle that would have you know otherwise stopped a certain larger gain i don't know if they have like weighted scales but there is i thought a lot more stuff weighted towards missed tackles and missed blown assignments and for on offense specifically they talked about like overthrown balls especially balls where it was if if the guy caught it in stride that could have been a massive play which would probably indicate why jordan loves had some really rough grades because he does that (laughs) where he'll randomly just throw rocket balls over the guy's head and you're like what why why didn't you just take a second pff definitely leans towards consistency right um you you know the extremely high grades they played well play in and play out it just takes one or two plays to really drop that grade significantly but when you look at quay walker that overall 43.6 defensive grade run defense 50.8 tackling grade was great 79.6 pass rush 50.3 coverage 48.3 now when you look at the snap counts right pass rush he had eight pass rushes graded out of the 50.3 that's going to drop that overall grade down significantly right coverage he had 30 coverage snaps so i guarantee if you go watch him in coverage that's probably that's probably where you're going to see the flaws now again i didn't see it uh with my passes through but i wasn't really keying in on quay walker i'll be completely transparent i was looking at the receivers i wanted to see what olave did i wanted to see how they uh, how they played, even when James, uh, you know, when when Jameis Winston went in, um, I always want to call him James. God, I can't get it right. But <laughs> even when he went in, I found myself like, okay, let's see, let's see how the receivers are matching up, you know, uh, when it comes to that. So I have a I have a hypothesis on Quay here, and this is just a theory. So he's got the green dot on. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's clearly in that role. Uh, you're on the field at home early, home opener. Uh, you're not really hyper concerned about Devondre Campbell being in the right spot because you can trust a guy like Devondre Campbell to be where he needs to be. And so I think, you know, you have a little bit of a security blanket there when you're on the field with a veteran guy like that. And then 11 snaps later, he's gone. And now we have Zay coming in, you know, we've got Hollins coming in. I wonder if, Quay's performance, quote unquote, suffered a little bit just because, you know, it might make sense with the correlation with the coverage grade. It's like if you're constantly pointing and making sure guys are in their spot, I could see how a younger player might neglect his own his own assignment because he's hyper concerned with, you know, where everybody's supposed to be. I wonder I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Do you think that might have any weight? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a great point. And I would love to sit here and say, Tim, I thought about that too, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> so I think it could play into it. And let's say McDuffie comes in, right, in the back of Quay's mind, in, in terms of all the play calls, all the all the checks and everything at the line, everything, all the responsibility you have there, also knowing, you know, Isaiah can't cover like Devondre. I need to maybe play this a little safer here. You know what I mean? That could have come into play as well. Um, I, like I said, I have to go back and look at the tape and, and really identify, okay, are they in zone match, man match, are they playing spot drop, you know, kind of what what's going on there. Uh, I do know they blitzed him. Like I said, I, I remember seeing Quay blitz several times. They showed this really odd front, which was awesome, where they put – it was a nickel 245, and they lined the two down linemen up on the left side of the line. So basically you got, you got Rashawn Gary isolated on the right tackle. You got uh, Kenny Clark isolated on the on the right guard. And then you got, you know, uh, Devontae White or whoever else it was, Carl Brooks, isolated on the center. So you essentially had one offensive lineman that wasn't blocking anyone because they would put Preston Smith on the other side. And one particular play, they ran that look, and they actually blitzed Quay and dropped Preston Smith, and it was like a fire zone blitz type thing. They only brung five, which is technically a blitz, but it was, to me, it looked like it was a a hybrid version of quarter-quarter half or half-quarter-quarter or cover six and they did a little fire zone on top of it. So I was I was grinning like a possum in a dumpster watching uh, watching that defense work after the the second or third playback because it was like, man, Barry got really creative. It was a lot of fun. Now, I know no one's going to give him credit for that, and that's okay. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely something that stood out to me. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's go to – go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say we have seen exactly what, what uh, he said that we would see uh, in camp. Um, when I jogged with him over over to uh, the uh, Hudson Center before practice, and he 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 told me that we're going to see more aggressiveness, we're going to see more pressure, and we're going to see different looks. And you can say what you want about Joe Barry's defense. That's that's exactly what we've seen through three games this year. Definitely, Jacob. Can you read these scores here on the screen? We're looking at the Green Bay. I've got a, listen, I've got a I've got a German Shepherd pup at the door. Let me go handle this. You take care of this for me. I can hear him knocking. Yeah. <laughs> Special teams grades for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Josiah Deguara is number one with a seventy-two point one, which is at least encouraging to see him doing something. Darnell Savage had another great day on the uh, special team side of the ball. He had 68.5, ranking number two. Of course, no surprise to see that Eric Wilson, Steady Eddie, is at 64.9. Then we dip off a little bit. It goes to Justin Hollins at 63.7. Matt Orzich at 63.6. Then Kenny Clark, 60.7. And then Malik Heath, TJ Slayton, Josh Myers. And then it basically is all just... Very normal. Dallin Levitt, pretty low on that list for it's, being Mr. Special yeah, I was, Teams. I was actually going to bring him up specifically, Tim. Did I you see him? Wait two seconds and you are bashing Dallin Levitt. What's going on? Pathetic <laughs> tackle attempt on that uh, punt return. He just he looked like a he looked like the kicker. I thought yeah. he was the specialist. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But again, this is a one off. Let's let's see if we see this become a habit. Then then we're going to be concerned. Uh, I kind of put that in the same bucket as the, like we just talked about Quay. Quay might've had a little bit of an off day or, or a little bit less than stellar than we're used to seeing out of him that I don't think that means that uh, it'll be a trend we'll see moving forward, but something to keep our eye on. Certainly. I I never thought I'd see Dallin Levitt grade that low uh, in special teams. I'll tell you the big thing that sticks out to me. It, I'm just happy that Josiah Aguara 
is contributing. Like, you know what I mean? That's I'm not trying to trying to give a back backhanded compliment or anything here. Um, 20 snaps. I guess he was second, no third in special First. team snaps and a 72.1. Hey, whatever you got to do to help the team. You know what I'm saying? And Savage, I actually have it keyed up on Chalk Talk. That kickoff cover, when he came flying down and made that open field tackle, that was a tone setter coming down the stretch there yesterday for sure. So uh, um, anything else you guys want to hit on there with the special teams, Grace? No. I mean, did uh, did you – are you going to do any chalk talk as to how that seam opened up and who is maybe to blame for losing contain or if they just made a good play on it? Or I was just going to point out the fact that, you know, I'm the one always bashing Darnell Savage, you know, and like, hey, look, this was a – this is what I love about chalk talk is – it's all about game flow, right? It's not just, hey, here was a big play. Oh, look, this guy made a good play. It's when did it happen? And that special teams play, man, it came at a key moment where, hey, look, tone setter, pinned them back inside the 20 right on a kickoff because Savage just came screaming in. I don't have the all 22. There's a trick to getting to the all 22 earlier, and I'm in the process of working on that. But I have to wait. Like I last I checked today, I still didn't have the all 22. I still didn't have access. So I'm having to use TV copies. So it's hard to see that on the kickoff coverage, you know, exactly how he got through, if it was schemed up or what. But uh, someone was asking about Chalk Talk. Zane said, uh, when is Chalk Talk? Zane, the plan was to do it earlier today. And then I get in here and my Google Drive was acting up. Everything was just spinning. I had 20 clips, and they were all just spinning. They didn't load, so I couldn't get them into the system quick enough. But I do have it keyed up in the Telestrator now where I'm going to go through and hit on those, and and I couldn't get all 20 of them in. But uh, the plan is to do it tomorrow, so you'll probably see that late afternoon tomorrow before we go live for Packers Total Access Live. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, Yeah, Jake just confirmed all 22 is up on NFL Plus. Awesome. What's crazy, too, is – I can access the all. Tw- I can access NFL Plus and just share the screen on here as well, um, which is something we can do in the future. It's just I really like it in the Telestrator because we can control the speed in which it plays. We can draw on the screen, all that good stuff. We can get our John Madden on if you know what I mean. So, um, all right, let's do this. Let's go to the injury report. Like I said, we had a mock injury report kind of drop today. They didn't practice, um, but uh, this you know it was just something they were asked to do, I guess. You're going to get a Monday report, a Tuesday report, a Wednesday report, and then obviously we'll get the actives and inactives on game day on Thursday for Thursday night football. Um, they're against the Lions at Lambeau Field. Jair Alexander did not participate with the back injury. Zane Anderson did not participate with the hamstring. Bach did not participate. Devondre Campbell with the ankle did not participate. Rashawn Gary, limited participation. Elton Jenkins did not participate. Aaron Jones, limited participation. I think that's a good sign. Zach Tom with the new knee injury did not participate. Carrington Valentine uh, with the bicep injury did not participate. Christian Watson with the hamstring did not participate. It seems like people are leaning towards more more than likely Aaron Jones will be available, but maybe not Christian Watson. Um, With that being said, I did want to point this out. Um, Injury news front, Zach Tom LaFleur hopes he can go. I think that's a good sign, Jacob. LaFleur said that. Like, you know, I hope he can go. I think if it was something significant, he would have never said that, right? Uh, Dre Campbell, it's not the same ankle that he hurt earlier this year. Yep. So we we learned that through the pressers. Carrington Valentine. Is that good or bad news? <laughs> it's exactly what I thought. Oh, great. It's not that. Well, yeah, crap. So it's a new ankle. This sucks. <laughs> I didn't know how to take it. Um, Carrington Valentine did not tear his bicep. 
So that's really, really important. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, Aaron Jones listed as limited. Like I said, some people were pointing out that he's probably got a better shot than Christian Watson. Jacob, what sticks out to you there, man? What are you concerned about? Um, are, are you a little more optimistic about some of these that are listed this did not participate? I'm I'm a little bit more in, intrigued, I guess. I, not intrigued, but I guess um, a little more relieved looking ahead only because when I look down at the Lions, <laughs> it looks like they're going to miss like their whole offensive line potentially. So um, looking at is the fact that we have Gary who's limited and that we have um, – uh, Jones is limited to me. Yeah, that's a lot more encouraging. And I look at a lot of those other guys. I would have to imagine that Jair, that even uh, any any of those guys, I would hope that in a divisional game that they really are going to want to be out there to play. And like I said, if you look down at that Lion team, there is that four out of their five starting offensive linemen that are either questionable. Not- yeah, yeah. I think they lost somebody earlier in the year too. Went on IR. I could be wrong, but I, I was going to say it was one of their best offensive linemen. Um, I'm I'm really excited to dive. As soon as I get chalk talk done this week, I'm going to dive into the Lions tape. I want to see what they did uh, this this previous game uh, yesterday, and just kind of get an idea of okay, how are they attacking offenses this year? Because I've heard people say that Jared Goff has played great. I've heard others say he's been up and down. I really want to see now. I know this with the Chiefs game. There were so many people just pretending like, oh, well, golf, golf's garbage. He didn't do anything special against the Chiefs. Um, what I seen was them showing a two-high shell, and he was hammering those deep digs. I mean, he was standing tall in the pocket and hammering those deep digs. Granted, there was no Chris Jones, but I, I was impressed with golf in that game, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I need to go back and, like I said, watch a more, more previous game. But, Tim, what sticks out to you about the injury report, man? Anything you're overly concerned about or optimistic about? Um. I I guess I'm overly concerned about Dre because that, you know, another ankle injury is not, not thrilling. Hopefully we'll find out more about how serious it is, but my gut reaction looking at this, I I think everybody goes except for, you know, big E and uh, maybe Zane Anderson. Um, I, I'd, I, I really think Scoot's going to play. I think this is the game you you got. If you, if they're as close as he's been these last couple of weeks, I think this is the time to go ahead and do it. You know, even, even if we get them for 10 snaps or whatever it is, because, you know, one of those plays could be one of those explosive ones we talk about that can tilt a game. Um, I think there is some credence to the thought that maybe the reason that Ja and Bakhtiari and Jones uh, did not play and Watson did not play on Sunday uh, is probably because they're locked and loaded for a divisional game at home this Thursday. And so I'm going to roll with that, that mindset kind of looking at this. And, you know, like you said, it's important to, to reiterate that nobody participated today, technically. So right. the, don't, don't let the did not participate uh, fool you too much. Cause we, we didn't have practice tomorrow, Wednesday, we should have a little bit more, insight into this but my gut is telling me that if these guys are are 90 percent or better they're gonna go because this you know this year's gonna come down to uh divisional games and you know not to throw my my two cents in here too much but you know this division's gonna come down to the pack and the lions this year and every single division game counts especially considering the fact that we got a chance to go two and oh in the division here uh and put Detroit, our number one opponent for the for the division this year, we can put them behind the eight ball 
0-1 in the division. So this is this is a game that has playoff implications already, guys. And uh, I think, you know, banged up, injured, coming back, getting close. I think this is this is all hands on deck, you, you know. And uh, I think Detroit's going to give us a run for our money too, guys. This is going to be another close game. Um, there's a lot of similarities between our two teams. Um, so, you know, I hope I hope these guys go on Thursday. I have a theory too. How about this? Uh, so, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up just a second. You got a theory? That... Whoa, whoa. All right, Jacob, the floor is yours. So, I mean, no, it just makes a little bit more sense now if we think about what LaFleur was doing going into this week, why he sat so many people on Sunday. Because, like you were just talking about, Tim, he looks at this as almost this is the beginning of the playoff hunt. This is a divisional win, a divisional opponent. So he sits all those guys. And then now I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the schedule. So we obviously have the Thursday night game. Maybe he tries to get all those guys to go. Then we have a full week and an extended week because our next game's at Las Vegas Monday night. And then after that, we go into our bye week. So the dude's thinking if we can just hop, skip, and jump and do these kind of like strategic sits, that he's going to elongate all of our players to get to the end of that that bye week. And then by that time, we've got guys that have been sitting, you know, a good solid week and a half, two weeks, and then we go after that. And then we start that, that back half of the season, which I argue would be more challenging. I think he's on to something, Tim. What do you think? Not a conspiracy. I, I do. And then after that, we we trade Bakhtiari. <laughs> uh, do that. No, I huh? took it down the sideline, turned up with my guys, gave the football to a little kid wearing 20. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Jacob. I think you're I think you got something there. I really do. Um and, and as far as like Bach is concerned, like I don't care if he just plays divisional games the rest of the year, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I feel pretty good in the limited uh, scope of things that we got to see out of Rashid Walker. I think he's a guy that's just going to get better with more reps. Like the more he's out there, the better, the better he's going to get. He's going to have his, his learning curve and bumps and bruises along the way, but the ceiling is really high with him. Um, but I think, you know, having that veteran presence with Bakhtiari, who is just, you know, I, I agree with you, Clayton. I think I think he's Hall of Fame candidate um, when it's all said and done. When it comes to protecting that blind side of the, of the quarterback, the way he does, so yeah, um, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, definitely. Eric Sutherland in the chat says that Bigfoot looked like Jacob sneaking over to splice into his neighbor's Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Still hardwired. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's see here. We had a couple people mentioning Christian Watson up here uh, earlier. I just want to hit on it real quick. Um, right here. The greatest ability is availability, says Garrett. Um, Garrett Stritzel says, I'm sadly beginning to lose faith in Watson if he misses another game. Um, and then Eric Sutherland said, sorry, um, I'm just about out on Watson, all the potential in the world, but looking like a tub dweller. Um, Eric Sutherland never should have quotes anything. <laughs> the tub well. Um, yeah, you tub and, and Eric, I think I think it goes without saying. You're not saying that that Christian Watson doesn't want to be out there, right? Um, it's it's like a Ferrari, man. It's like uh, these expensive cars. When something breaks, it's expensive, right? And and that dude, he is just a, a world class athlete. And the torque, the strain it puts on your muscles, your joints to be that fast. 
um, it's tough, you know. And you look at someone like Tariq Hill, who's a smaller frame. He's, he's his frame isn't taking his joints aren't taking as much of a beating as someone who's as tall as Christian Watson. Um, it sucks, man. I want to see him on on the field because he's a spark plug, man. Fell in love with that dude last year watching him play football and just just his passion and. Um, I want it to work out, but I can't sit here and go, no, you're off base with that take. I mean, it is what it is at this point, right? It sucks. Um, I don't know, Jacob, what do you think, dude? It seemed like when Christian Watson got healthy last year, he was pretty much available the rest of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm totally still 100% in on him. I, uh, I, He's the guy I wanted in the draft. When we got him, I was ecstatic. I was very hard on him for his opening, you know, game against Minnesota where he had that drop and – I don't think anybody was more hard on him than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so we kind of put him in the that hole. You know, if he's a Ferrari, he got put in the garage for a good half of that season. But the second we took him off and kind of, you know, gave him some confidence, he, he showed that he's a he's a freak. So uh, I think that LaFleur is maybe being a little overly ca- uh, cautious with our hurt players. But if you think about it, if we have any chance of really actually being a 10-plus win season, if we have any chances of – going into the playoffs, maybe making a sneaky run, who knows, then we need those guys at the back end. And if we don't have them, it's smart now to keep those those veteran players, the Watsons, the, the Joneses off, because we, we have enough guys, these younger dudes like the Wicks, the, the uh, Reeds, the, the Musgraves that are actually performing and allowing us to sneak by with these wins. I mean, it makes sense. Like I, this, I can't stress enough that how much of an unbelievably key victory this was. One, because I don't think that they expected to get it and the way that we got it in that fourth quarter with the adversity and the way that Jordan Love showed that he's a, I mean, honestly, that, like Tim said, that after that one win alone, I say throw him the bag because he's shown the demeanor, the poise. I, mean, I know he has the physical traits, so I'm not worried about that part of it. And he just seems like an overall good person. So yeah. give him the bag. <clears throat> Mike Sandoval in the chat said, dude, I just said that trade him for Taylor. I'm assuming he was talking about David Bakhtiari. Um, the whole I, Jonathan – What's that? I'd do it. The the thing the the problem I have with Jonathan Taylor, of course, and let's just let's play along here for a second, okay? It's I feel like I always have to do a disclaimer. I'm not saying we should trade Bakhtiari, okay? But if you're presenting to me the idea, okay, trade Bach for Jonathan Taylor, you know, the first thing I would say is you're going to have to pay Jonathan Taylor in order for him to accept the trade or show up to your team the same way you sewn up the coats. You've you've got to pay him what he's wanting, which is 17, 18 million per year and probably a four or five year deal. Are you willing to do that? I'm not. Jonathan Taylor is, he had one great year, right? And he was arguably, he was in the running for MVP, had an awesome year. Last year, he struggled. He struggled at everything last year. Um, He is not a dynamic running back in a sense of he plays a role in the passing game. Therefore, I'm not paying him. You would be the only team in the league willing to pay a one-trick pony running back, right, the kind of money that you would pay to an Aaron Jones that does everything, right? Uh, Now, the other thing is, okay, well, Bach's probably not going to be here next year anyway, so it's kind of a one-for-one, right, if Jonathan Taylor was willing to pay play for this year and just wipe it clean, right? What happens if Rasheed Walker goes down with an injury? And box playing for the Colts. That would suck. Am I the only one that thinks that would suck? <laughs> yeah. That was, I guess, my, my terms was if it was only at the end of this deal, basically one for one player, because I don't want any of that contract stuff. There's no way I want to pay running back that much money. But yeah, that'd be the the issue, I guess, would be the, the, but I, to me, it shows that the Packers are kind of um, 
not worried about their depth at tackle. It seems like they're willing to even, I don't know what they're thinking about with Yash going into next year with maybe that's another reason why they're, I, I was just surprised so much to see Walker take that step because I did not see that coming and not see him playing. Like, like I said, again, he was a 24th overall ranked tackle and that's with a lot of snaps. So. Yeah. And of course, Mike Wall, Tim, Mike Wall being the smart guy he is, he's like, I'm not surprised. I, I, I watch his feet. He watch his feet and he's got great footwork. He's like, if you if you have great footwork, you can play in this league. You can be the strongest guy in the league. If you got horrible footwork, you will not make it in the starting lineup. You can, you know, all those things. You can have all this agility, but if you don't know what you need to do with your footwork to be successful, pass blocking, pass setting, and even in the run blocking game, you're not going to make it. Uh, mastermind in the chat said, guys, don't forget that Devontae had drop issues his first two seasons as a Packer, and look how he turned out. And then I had to follow it up with this one because I thought it was funny. Mike Sandoval said, dude, Devontae was eating pizza with Eddie Lacy back then. <laughs> Which brings me it to the – look like it. Devontae was built like me back then. <laughs> looked like he was – he must have been eating that vegan pizza or something. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's, let's get right down to the nitty-gritty here. Favorite pizza, Jacob, go. What's your favorite type of pizza? You could say oh, where it's from. You could say a style, whatever. Uh, there was this place called Five Points Pizza in Nashville, but I think there was a tornado in East Nashville a few years ago. It might have yeah, turned gloomy quick. Come on, Jacob. I know. Sorry. If it's still there, that's there's all awesome. kinds of people oh. lost their lives. And it's like, whoa. There's <laughs> blood every you know, night. <laughs> Otherwise, I like Bob. I'm crazy, dude. Pineapple and breakfast bacon is my favorite. For real. My yeah. man. Okay. Tim, let's hear it. All right, my my Milwaukee people might remember this. My absolute favorite of all time was from a place called the Olive Pit um, down in uh, Walker's Point area of Milwaukee. They're out of business now. They, they since, uh, I believe they retired, sold. But they had this pizza, speaking of tornadoes, it was called the Tommy Tornado. And the Tommy Tornado was one of those deals where it wasn't like super thin crust and it wasn't like deep dish it was like basically like one of those like cookie sheet baked type pizzas mm. and yes bacon sausage canadian bacon i mean it was like i i sincerely wish i could find the family and see if i could bribe them to give me the recipe for this pizza because it was so phenomenal um but yeah marchese's olive pit in milwaukee back in the day man that's i still miss that place and look at this <laughs> who was it? it was Zane Zane in the chat said barbecue pulled pork pizza Zane over there waking and baking bro I ain't, you ain't fooling nobody <laughs> oh man cheesehead Murph tomato banana peppers chicken pizza that sounds good man I'm, I'm a sucker for the banana peppers right, let's get back on topic here people getting mad at me I apologize man I've I'm, I'm a I'm a fatty man I like eating all right um I, I, I joke about this all the time, but I'm being serious. You know, food is the only reason I don't do drugs. I'm just telling you right now, man. I, I love food, bro. I love food. Um, Josh Martin, thank you for the super chat. He said, draft Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow next year. Going to have to get up there real high in the order, man, because I think he's probably going to be the number one uh, number one wide receiver taken. Um, you're probably going to get two to three quarterbacks taken, then Marvin Harrison Jr., I would imagine. That dude, uh, he seems like he's the real deal. I don't know, man. I I think that would be out of uh, out of Goody's wheelhouse, don't you, Jacob? Probably not going to take a receiver that high. I mean, <laughs> who knows nowadays? But I would guess I would, I would I would hope that we don't need a receiver that high. I'm looking at maybe I don't know if I Shivink would probably be better to talk to about this because right now I'm looking at the need for you know safety. I guess maybe even corner, maybe to fix our interior offensive line. He's more smart. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I do think Josh is on to something while we're on the scoop conversation. You know, let's see how many games, if, if this does go the wrong way and we see, you know, um, Christian in the tub more than on the field, maybe we are looking to add depth and looking for another star type receiver. Uh, but yeah, I don't see, I don't see Goody trading up. You know what we're going to do? We'll wait until the second or third round and grab a guy that people have projected in the fourth or fifth. And then we'll all be shocked. We'll get angry. And then after two months, we'll say that he's going to be the best guy and he's Jerry Rice. (laughs) Rinse and repeat. I'll tell you what though, Marvin Harrison Jr. has the potential to be probably better than his pops. And I don't say that lightly because Marvin Harrison Sr. is a monster. So Definitely. Kevin R in the chat, bro. Um, just going to tell you right now, keep it respectful. All right. Um, we, everybody gets along in here. You're going to get in here and insult people. It, it ain't going to fly. That's just your warning. I'm trying to be cool about it, but you notice everybody in here gets along and there's one person that, uh, the turd in the punch bowl, just saying, chill out. Um, let's see here. What else we got? Draft a wide receiver from South Carolina that looks like Metcalf. If anybody looks like Metcalf, sign me up. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, and this – our showers hit the nail on the head. Always need corners and O-line. That, that seems to be Goody's preference for sure. No doubt about it. Um, yeah, so the draft is, a, is, is very far away. I think you got to look at the, uh, the elite positions, right, the tier one of importance, um, left tackle, quarterback, edge interior defensive line it's probably if you start there if you're going to put a a friendly wager out there on what position they might draft if you if you pick those four you're probably going to hit i'm just telling you um but with that being said man i'm eager to see i i get excited about there being this this quarterback heavy draft coming up simply because um if we need a quarterback great right if for some reason we get to the end of the season and love doesn't look like the guy okay we got some options we could trade up and try to try to grab one of these guys um, if we don't need a quarterback, then that means there's going to be some great players that are going to fall because those quarterbacks are going to get taken at the top of the draft. So it's a, it's just, a, I don't know. It's always a more exciting draft when it's quarterback heavy. There's no doubt about that. Um, let's see here. Oh my gosh, Mike, you brought, you brought it back right here, dude. Hey, hey, hey. he really isn't like Thompson drafting Justin Harrell over Greg Olson. That didn't hurt us. LOL. I'll never forget. There's a YouTube video out there. You can still find if they haven't taken it down where these Packer fans, we're doing a live draft party or whatever, watching the draft when they drafted Justin Harrow. You know what I'm talking about, Jacob? Yeah, bro. That's brutal. <laughs> Where he calls Ted Thompson a a, a gray-haired mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and they're like, like it's Justin Harrell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tim, have you seen this video? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And and as far as the Ted Thompson slander, I, I will tolerate zero of it. Uh, he, he, I got two words for you, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Roadhouse. That's right. That's right. And, <laughs> That's and, we, and we know we know that Ted, his last few years, dealt with some health issues. Yeah. Um, you know, off the field, and 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 a testament to his character, did everything he could to to be a part of this organization. Um, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tolerate any Ted slander. But yeah. I will say this: like every GM, he has missed on his share of picks, of course. Uh, just just like they all do. And he's hit on some uh, phenomenal picks as well. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Ted Thompson, man. I, I, I will defend Ted <laughs> yeah, with no my dying breath, man, for sure. 
Yeah. Eric Sutherland said it. Ted was the goat. Ted was awesome, man. Uh, you know, the thing that, that really got me about Ted was, you know, Favre, the whole Favre departure from Green Bay was tough. And it was Favre's fault. That's that's my opinion. You guys may disagree. That's totally cool. But I feel like they gave him like three or four opportunities that offseason to come back, and he kept changing his mind, kept changing his mind. Oh, to find out the phone record showed that he was actually communicating with the Vikings the whole time and wanted to go to Minnesota and all that stuff. But even after he tried to get McCarthy and Goody – or not Goody, McCarthy and Ted Thompson fired, right, when he came into Lambeau and beat Green Bay – he said the first person to reach out to him was Ted Thompson. Say congratulations, man. Great game. Like it's just a stand-up dude, man. A stand-up dude. Class all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Class all the way. And a and a brilliant football mind. I, I, I don't think he ever gets enough credit for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's get ready to wrap this thing up. I'm gonna hit this a split screen game and said, fun fact, the high limestone content in the water in upstate New York makes our pizza dough superior to almost everywhere. I actually just read that. That's true. I there's people <laughs> buy the water and ship in the water so that they could have better dough. I'm not kidding. Eric Sutherland says split screen. I'm guessing you haven't had little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll wrap so, it up there. I've we'll had frozen it. pizza before. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, this was a fun episode. I'm glad we got to hit on everything. We got a, got a kind of a good base foundation for the injury news, injury news that we received today. Kind of keep an eye on that short week. Got Thursday night football coming up. Let's see what these uh, these youngins can do out there against this Detroit Lions team, and they got an opportunity to really have a state to make a statement um, this uh, this week. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun one to watch. Jordan Love on the national stage. This will be his first primetime game, right? So, yeah, and I'll be there. I'm so excited. That's awesome, dude. Absolutely awesome. You better have a daddy soda for me, bro. So oh, I'm gonna have I'll have a couple. I have one for you and Jacob for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So I want to give a special thanks to all the PTA Posse members. Um, AJJ emailed me. We're getting that jersey sent out to him who won the uh, autographed Lucas Van Ness jersey. Up next will be an autographed John Kuhn jersey. We're going to give it a week, okay? Um, since it's a short week, we're going to give it away next week during the postgame show. So if you're not a member of the PTA Posse, our YouTube group, just click on the homepage. You'll see a join tab. That's how you can join. And that'll get you entered into the uh, the drawing for the uh, autographed John Coon jersey. We're going to be giving away. I know Jacob, you already sent out the uh, the belt uh, there for uh, Aaron Rodgers' belt that uh, one of the listeners won as well. So we're going to do that this year. We're just going to continue to give things away to those who are supporting the stream. We really appreciate everybody doing that. Also, want to give a real quick shout out to the super chats tonight: Josh Martin, uh, Mace Taggart. And uh, Mike Hebring and Josh Martin, again, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you supporting the stream. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back there. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Tell the tackle. Take the defensive end if he's over. If he's not, he's drive down the first man to his inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside, young man. No one shows. Your right five in and field inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, that's inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. So look at this play. We'll be trying to get him a seal here and a seal here and try to